0: Well, thank you, you brought a Bible with you, say yes. And I uh, want to invite you to open with me, if you will, to Luke's gospel. If you're visiting with us, we're going verse by verse through this gospel. And Luke chapter 10 is where we find ourselves this morning in verse 38. As we continue our series entitled The Glory Movement, we're seeing the Lord Jesus in all of his glory move across Luke's gospel and seeing that movement be uh, really striking in our hearts that we would move out with the good news of who Jesus Christ is into our surrounding communities. And we're going to be challenged this morning to worship the Lord. So let me ask you, even before we read the text this morning, what did you come to church for? I mean, what are you doing here? That, that's the question, y'all. I know this ain't Sunday school, but I'm for real. So what, what are you doing here? What is your point for even showing up this morning? Uh, you should have come, I believe, to worship the Lord, to encounter the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So we want to be very confident and also very uh, firm in our own minds Why we have shown up to church on a Sunday morning as I mentioned just a moment ago We didn't come just to check it off of a list to say, okay We went to church this weekend But we actually came together because the Bible encourages us to in the book of Hebrews It tells us that we ought not skip church But we should come together so that we could encourage one another and also lift up the Lord Jesus Christ And so that's why we're here today to worship Jesus But we're going to find that there are many distractions to worshiping the Lord. And we're going to find out as well how we can fight against those distractions. And so let's begin by looking at Mary and Martha and the text of Scripture today. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 38. You can stand with me in honor of God's Word. And uh, you've got it there in front of you. Say yes. yes. All right, very good. Notice what the Bible says. As they were traveling along, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations, and she came up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister's left me to do all the serving alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for an opportunity to worship you this morning. And Father, I pray as well that that would be the intent of our heart, that we would be bent toward heaven, looking to the face of Jesus Christ. And I pray in Jesus' name this morning that you would speak to each one of our hearts. Help us as a church body to worship you unashamedly. God, as we seek to develop disciples, we know a disciple first worships you with their whole heart. And God, we want to reflect that as a fellowship. God, this is not some country club with a cross on top. This is a place where you are to be lifted up. And so, God, we pray that that would be the testimony of this place, this fellowship. And, God, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts through the word this morning. And we'll be quick to give you the glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Everybody said, amen. You can be seated. So you and I were actually created with eternity in our hearts. The eternal vacuum can only be filled by a real, genuine relationship with the one, true, eternal God. The Bible teaches that we were created to worship and to glorify God. That is to make him known, to make his name great. And the word worship comes from an old word, worship, which describes the act of honoring someone of great value. You know, the Old Testament word for worship means literally to fall prostrate on the ground, touching your forehead to the earth. And then in the New Testament, we see the word for worship describes the idea of giving adoration to someone of greater value. In fact, we see that worship is an act of service toward the Lord in which we honor him. The Bible teaches in Romans 12 that we are to offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable act of worship. So the Bible commands you and I, to be involved in worship and whenever we worship we are saying together that god is actually greater than we are ourselves you know the psalmist writes in psalm 29 ascribe to the lord sons of mighty ascribe to the lord glory and strength ascribe to the lord glory due his name worship the lord in holy array and then in psalm 96 the bible says sing to the lord a new song Sing to the Lord, all of the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Then in Psalm 150, the Bible says, praise the Lord. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let every single thing that has breath praise the Lord. You know, worship in the scripture is described in a unique sense. Sometimes it's described as bowing down, clapping your hands. Lifting your hands, dancing, singing, shouting, serving, kneeling, praying, sitting, being still. So many other things within the framework of Scripture what worship is described as. And Those who are members of the family of God are given the privilege. Listen, you and I as born-again believers are given the privilege to worship the Lord freely both publicly and privately. And one of the main purposes of the New Testament church is to glorify God by corporately gathering together and acknowledging that Jesus is king and his value is infinitely greater than ours. He alone deserves unashamed, passionate, and true worship. Now, as you and I gather together, it should be our heart as a fellowship to encounter the Lord Jesus Christ how many of you know, however, that there are times in worship when it is evident that Jesus paid a visit? You ever been in a service like that and you're like, good night, I know the Lord was there with us. I'm asking you all a question. You ever been in a service like that? Without a doubt, we've experienced that before. But you know, reality is uh, the Bible teaches that God is everywhere present. Uh, That is his omnipresence. So everywhere present the Lord is. However, there are times when his glory lights down upon a place of worship. And you just know the Lord is in the house. So a question of sheer curiosity. If Jesus visits a church, does everyone in the building encounter him? Or let's say Jesus visits our fellowship Is there any possibility, listen, is there any possibility that you just might miss Jesus? Well, Jesus and his disciples in our text of scripture this morning have been uh, paying Mary and Martha an unexpected visit. These two sisters live with their brother Lazarus in Bethany, and completely unannounced, Jesus shows up. You ever have somebody just knock on your door out of nowhere? That's what Jesus did with Mary and Martha. Look at verse 38. The Bible says as they were traveling along, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Martha was extremely hospitable. So you can imagine them all entering the house and taking a quick sit down. Then in verse 39, she had a sister called Mary. Hey, you got a question. Anybody got a sister? I got a sister too. Martha knew that Mary was getting on her nerves. There are times that I know my sister gets on my nerves too. Can I get a witness on that? Hopefully she will not watch this podcast. Candace, I love you wherever you are out there in cyberspace. I just thought that was funny. She had a sister. Could have just stopped there, couldn't you? She had a sister called Mary. Notice your Bible again. Who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. Now, Mary was focused on Jesus the moment that he walked into the door. She was not distracted, but set her attention upon the person of Christ. Warren Wiersbe, a New Testament commentator, notes this. She was listening to his word. Mary of Bethany is seen three times in the gospel accounts, and on each occasion, she is in the exact same place. She is at the feet of Jesus Christ. Here in Luke's gospel, chapter 10, she was sitting at his feet listening to his word. And then we find over in John chapter 11 that she fell at his feet and shared her problems and then she in john chapter 12 came to his feet and poured out her worship you know mary was sitting at the feet of jesus worshiping him but that is not what martha was doing look at verse 40 martha was distracted with all of her preparations and she came up to jesus and said lord do you not care that my sisters left me to do all the serving alone tell her to help me Now, you notice the word distracted. Martha was indeed distracted. It literally means to be pulled away or to be dragged away. Now, this is awesome. Jesus was in the house, but Martha missed him because she had been dragged away by her circumstances. She had been pulled out of placing her attention upon Jesus Christ because she was distracted with all of her preparations. It's a wild statement. But I want you to hear this warning From this text of scripture, you and I, we are one distraction away from missing the Lord. One distraction away. You know, Martha was distracted with all of her preparations. Martha would kind of be what we would call the hostess with the mostest. Y'all know what I'm talking about? She'd be like Paula Dean. Y'all are tough this morning. So as soon as Jesus and the disciples showed up, man, she got to work. She was going to make sure that there was an adequate meal provided. She was going to make sure as well that all of the needs of her guests were met. So she's running frantically. However, in the context of her stirring up dust in service, she completely missed out on the person of Jesus. While he was present, listen, she did not encounter him. Now, the questions we could ask is what distractions can keep us from encountering God? What is it that would cause, are y'all listening say yes? What is it that would cause you and I to actually miss Jesus in the context of corporate worship? Now, I'm going to talk about private worship as well, but just in the context of corporate worship, what would keep you from missing Jesus? Well, one thing that I want to share with you from this text, a major way that we can completely miss Jesus, and here it is, a legalistic mindset will keep you from encountering the Lord A legalistic mindset will keep you from encountering the Lord. So think about Martha for just a moment. In her mind, when Jesus showed up, there was a certain way to act. She had created a framework on how to respond to the person of Jesus. The problem with the framework that she had created was that Mary was not fitting into her complete framework. Therefore, Martha became judgmental and critical concerning Mary. And from her heart, she spoke words of criticism concerning her sister, Jesus. Looking at your Bible again at verse 40, "'Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all this serving alone? Then tell her to help me.'" You know, Martha was put out with Mary's response to Christ. She wasn't helping with the meal. She wasn't helping meet the needs of those in the house. And Martha's law, so to speak, on how to act when Jesus shows up was not being followed by Mary. Therefore, she was distracted, and she missed out on worshiping Jesus. Now here's the deal, I want you to think about it for just a moment. When you come to worship and you find yourself having a critical spirit towards others or a judgmental attitude towards others, you prove yourself to actually be a legalist, one who completely misses the Lord. For example, uh, this morning, let's pretend um, that whenever we came into corporate worship, I had personally this thing called Levi's Law on how to worship right. Are y'all listening say yes? So let's pretend, I mean, there's a big board up here, and it's got Levi's Law on it. And I've got top five ways that you can worship the Lord rightly. Uh, The first way would be you have to wear slacks and a blue shirt to worship the Lord rightly. Some of y'all are all right. Some of y'all are heathens, I can tell, right? Just by what you're wearing. It's pretty interesting. We didn't even try this, but everybody on staff today wore slacks and a blue shirt. (laughs) No clue But here's another one I might say Second law You cannot sing old songs to worship rightly Don't pull that old stuff out Number three You might say you cannot lift more than one hand in worship So whenever you get your praise on If you go two hands man You're off the reservation All right And then maybe number four, I might say, you must clap after every single song or you are just not worshiping Jesus properly. Number five, I would say, you cannot display too much emotion whenever you worship because if you do, you're trying to draw attention to yourself. That ain't right. So I had this law, this framework in my mind. And then I would come to worship and my attitude would be to look out at what everyone else is doing to find out whether or not they were fitting into the framework which I created. So just imagine the problem is that most people in the building, even this morning, don't fit into that framework. Uh, some of you guys, y'all are wearing yellow shirts. I saw one dude this morning with a pink shirt on, which I'm praying for. <laughs> but you came to church this morning, you ain't got a blue shirt on. You can't worship. Could you imagine if that was my heart? Then go a step further, uh, you know, we can look and say, James, is, why is he making us sing that really old song? Or better yet, we could even say, why is James making us sing that brand new song? We don't know the words of that song. Y'all ain't never said that, have you? Got real quiet. I did read that psalmist, though, where he said, Sing a new song. <laughs> That'll mess most Baptist people up. A new song. And if I came in with that legalistic framework, I'd look around and see people maybe raising two hands or maybe they're dancing a little bit. And I'd be like, What is their problem, man? They, they, their heart is not right with the Lord. They didn't clap after that song. They're far from God. So I just judge them. Critical attitude. I think you kind of get the idea, and I use five random crazy examples, but you know there are some in your heart as well, that you come into church and you have a few little ways you think worship ought to be, and if somebody doesn't fit into it, you begin to think, what are they doing? Mary didn't fit into Martha's framework, so she told on her. Martha actually thought her major problem in the house was Mary. She became critical, you know Her major problem in the house wasn't Mary. You know what the Bible teaches? The Bible teaches in the book of Ephesians, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, Mary, who was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his word being taught, was driving Martha mad. That's why she tried to get Mary in trouble for sitting around. But Martha's problem was not Mary. Her problem was not a physical problem. It was a spiritual problem. Now check this out. Are y'all listening? Say yes. I want you to hang with me because this is awesome. We have to recognize distractions to our worship of Jesus as spiritual attacks or we will never wage a spiritual battle. Now I've never really thought about it before until I was doing this particular study this week. But whenever I'm in another country like Africa, and I attend a worship service there in a mud hut, they're singing songs that I do not know. They're making noises that I cannot make. I remember uh, just recently they were uh, praying while I was there with them. And while they were praying, several of them were making these whooshing sounds with their mouth. And it sounded like wind was blowing through that entire uh, worship facility there. Uh, They were dancing jigs that I would never attempt even if nobody was looking, I'd be like, I can't do that, I already know. I mean, I'm good, like, from the hips up, the hips down, man, I, I can't dance. Y'all listening to me? But all up here, boy, I'm down with it. You know what I'm saying? Just telling you. That's why y'all see me driving in the car and I'll be baking, bouncing. You know what I'm saying? What? Forgive me. But sitting in a worship service with these individuals overseas, I have never looked at them and said, man, these people aren't genuine. Never said that. I never said, why in the world is he dressed like that? Never said, I don't know these songs. I can't worship the Lord. However, put me in a church in America, and all of a sudden, I think everybody ought to worship Jesus according to my personal framework, and if they do not, then they just must not be for real. Y'all see the problem with this? if we are in church saying, or if we leave church saying, did you see what they wore to church? Did you hear what song they were singing? Uh, We don't know that song. Can you believe they're standing up during that one song? They shouldn't do that. Listen, your problem is not everyone else. Your problem is a spiritual problem. The enemy is seeking to attack your soul. And that's what's wild. Just think about it. Uh, And I kind of mentioned this briefly this morning uh, in our first service, but I'm convinced that Uh, The spiritual realm is actually more real than the physical realm that you and I can see with our naked eye. So whenever you and I come to worship, guess what? The enemies come too. Spiritual darkness seeks to show up in worship services, especially where the Lord is. You'll find as you walk through Jesus' life and ministry that when he showed up, all these demon-possessed people showed up. What is up with that? The enemy is seeking to come in, even to the context of Concord Baptist Church, during our worship hours and distract you from worshiping. So he'll slip stuff into your brain. He'll slip stuff into my mind. He'll slip stuff into your heart and try to get you to begin to consider those things as opposed to placing your full attention upon the Son of God. That's why some of you came to worship today. Listen, just because you came to church doesn't mean you worship Jesus But you came this morning, and you've got your mind on family issues. You've got your mind on work issues. You've got your mind on all of these things that you have created about what you think worship should look like. And it has hindered you from giving Jesus Christ your best. Keeps us from worship. It's a spiritual battle. You know, the Bible teaches us in 1 Peter that the enemy, even our flesh, attacks our soul like a military assault. So when you came to church this morning, all of hell was lining up to attack your soul, to keep you from genuinely worshiping Jesus Christ. You know, Mary, in this text, was hospitable to Jesus. She was sitting at his feet listening to his word. Martha, however, was actually hospitable to a critical spirit. Now, if I can personify that for just a moment, these thoughts come up into your life, they are like individual people knocking on the door of your mind, desiring entrance. And if you open the door and allow them to come in, and you're hospitable to them, you will find that you become critical, judgmental, distracted, worried, bothered, and you're unable to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's a spiritual battle. And until you recognize it as a, are y'all listening say yes? Until you recognize it as a spiritual battle, you will never ever fight a spiritual war. So what do we do with these thoughts that come into our brains and try to distract us from worship? How do we respond to this darkness that is looming over us, trying to grip us and take us down? What do we do with the enemy who's coming to seek to kill, steal, and destroy? He doesn't want you to have joy in the Lord. He doesn't want you to experience the comfort of Jesus Christ this morning. He doesn't want you to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ because he knows that if this church gets serious about lifting up Christ, the Lord will draw people to himself. He does not desire that. So he fights against your soul. So what do we do? What do we do with these thoughts that come into our mind? What do we do with these distractions? The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 10 and 5 that we are actually to take every thought captive and bring them into subjection to Jesus Christ. Are y'all listening? That's awesome. Listen, that thought comes into your mind, you ought to tackle that thing. That's the imagery there. You tackle it and you hold it captive, put his hands behind his back and come straight to Jesus with that thought and say, Lord, this doesn't belong here. It's trying to distract me. Help me to focus my attention on you during worship. That would change worship. And, you know, the Bible teaches greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world So, you have, based upon the authority of Scripture and the presence of the Holy Spirit, the ability, listen, the ability to overcome the enemy's distractions. I am fully, are y'all listening? Say yeah, fully convinced that there's not a New Testament church right now that has everybody in it giving all of their pure praise to the Son of God. It is yet to be seen. What a church would look like that would get on fire for the Son of God. And when they got together, they were not messing around. Their face set like flint towards worship. They came and they said, we want to give everything we've got to Christ. What kind of church would that be? Well, that's the encouragement throughout the Scripture. But a legalistic mindset will keep us from encountering the Lord. If you're trying to make everybody fit into your little system which you created... You're not gonna worship Jesus, that ain't worship. Are y'all out there? Now I'm staying within the boundaries of scripture, all right? Because I know whenever we talk about worship, you can consider some stuff that has gone on in some areas like Toronto in the past where they would get together and they said the Lord was in the house and everybody started barking like dogs. That ain't the Lord. Are y'all listening? If you gotta bring puppy child in a worship service, it ain't the Lord, y'all listening to me? And, uh, just cause it's on my mind now, but, uh, read another article about a dude who was in the church and he said he had Holy Ghost power and he could shoot people with the Holy Ghost. So he was going around with his hand, like it was a gun and he was shooting people and they was falling out on the floor. Are y'all listening? That's some crazy church right there. Choo, choo. (laughs) That's outside the boundaries of scripture. All right. That's not the Lord. So, when we come together, we want to encounter the Lord. And when we genuinely worship the Lord, we will all go away changed. Everybody will be different somehow. And that'd be awesome. You know, Moses went on the mountain, whenever he came down from the mountain, they said, He has been with the Lord. We can tell He's been with the Lord. That's what people ought to say after you leave worship on Sunday morning. Those people have been with the Lord. But if we get legalistic about it, we'll be all messed up. Can I just tell you all this, just because it came to my mind while we were actually worshiping, which could be good or bad. We'll find out here in a few minutes. I want you to think for just a moment. uh, What would worship be like if we knew Jesus was sitting on that stool? It'd be different, wouldn't it? We would come up in here, and immediately we'd we'd begin to confess sin. You wouldn't even wait for a sermon. About like, the Lord's in the house, man. We, got, we need to get ourselves right before the Lord. And then some of you would come in, man. You've had issues with your family. They, man, they need prayer. That Maybe your home is broken. You, you'd come in here wherever Jesus was, you'd fall down at his feet. Lord Jesus, help my family. Some of you know folks who are sick and need to be healed. They're in the hospital. You would come and you'd say, Lord Jesus, put your hand on that young boy. You'd be praying for him. Worship would be radically different, would it not? Now, here's the wild thing. The Lord is here. Uh, It's interesting to me, though, whenever we come to worship, instead of seeing the fact that the Lord is indeed here, we come in here so distracted, our minds so uh, doubled over with things that don't make a hill of beans for eternity. And then we come in here and we leave and we say, well, we went to church this weekend. Not if you didn't worship, you didn't. Do we get legalistic? I'm off my notes a long way. Y'all alright? But I'm gonna preach whether you want me to or not. No. There's the second statement that I need to give you from the text that is encouraging to me. And that is very simple: a heart of worship longs to fellowship with the person of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 41, if you will. Uh, very quickly, the Bible says, But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you you have worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. You know, Martha was expecting Jesus to take her side, but Jesus did not. Jesus was like, don't mess with her. She's doing the right thing. You're the one missing out. What is the right thing? Well, the one true thing is time alone with the Lord. But if we're so busy, so legalistic, so upset, and so completely uh, overwhelmed with thoughts in our minds that we don't focus on Christ, we will completely miss the opportunity to encounter him. And that's true when Jesus visits the church. That's true when Jesus visits you as well on a personal basis. And this kind of thing, you know, I've talked primarily about corporate worship, but you know, the Bible teaches that you and I are encouraged to worship the Lord daily on our own. So We're to spend time with the Lord. we ought to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ daily. That's so why we have grow groups. We have grow groups. Remember, a disciple. What, what does a disciple look like? It's a person who worships, reaches, grows, and serves. A grow group is a small group opportunity for you to be challenged to get in the Word every single day. And you get into the Word of God, and God speaks to you. Now, I want to tell you this, and then I'll close up the sermon. I'm going to sit on this. I know I just said Jesus was sitting here, but I'm going to sit here for a moment. Here's the deal, I sit down and spend time with the Lord, and um, right now I'm studying the book of Amos, all right? And I usually have a little journal out beside me, and so I'm reading through the book of Amos, I'm writing down things that the Lord is really teaching me, and I'm so fired up about what God's teaching me personally. But there are times in my devotion when I'm alone with the Lord, and distractions come in. All of a sudden, while I'm spending time with the Lord and I'm reading, I can read a whole chapter of Scripture, and I can think to myself, I just read a whole chapter. I don't even know what i read. Y'all ever done this before? Or maybe you read a couple verses. You're like, what in the world is that talking about? But all of a sudden, you're reading, and you realize that your mind's all over the place. You've been thinking about work, what you got to do, what's going on in your family, this, that, and the other, and all these things. And it's like the enemy is attacking your time with the Lord. And he will convince you, you've got, listen, more important, more pressing things to do than spend time with Jesus. Are y'all listening to the preacher? And so as a result, instead of really spending time alone with the Lord, you don't even look at it. You're like, wait, let me read this. Oh, I got to go. I got to go. I gotta go. And you totally and here Jesus is sitting right there waiting on you to be at his feet, to look in his face, and to hear from him. The Lord desires to hear from you. Can I share something the Lord taught me the other day? That was a question. There's a discipline that came upon Israel that I fear is coming upon the church. Here's the discipline. Let me just read it. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land. Listen. Not a famine for bread. Not a famine uh, for thirst of water. But rather a famine for hearing the words of the Lord. people of Israel didn't want to hear from God. They didn't pay attention to the Old Testament scriptures. They didn't pay attention to the prophets. They totally ignored it. Listen, they would not sit down and worship the Lord. And the Lord had already poured out all of these judgments upon them, all these disciplines upon them, but they still would not return. And so the Lord's like, all right, get ready. Days are coming when you won't even be able to hear the word. The Bible says uh, people will stagger from sea to sea and from the north and even to the east, and they will go to and fro and seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Now, it's interesting. You go into most churches this morning, they ain't preaching the Bible. They might get up there and read a verse as a proof text, and then get up there and talk about how you can have a happy life. Anyway, tell me what the Bible says, man. If I didn't have a Bible to get up here and talk to, I don't know what y'all would talk to y'all about. I just look at y'all. Well, good. thank y'all for coming this morning. Y'all be positive and smile at each other. I ain't preaching. The word of God is what we desire. But here's the deal. They wouldn't pay attention to it. Israel wouldn't. Israel would just, they would ignore it altogether. And I fear... That we stand on the very edge, and I ain't trying to be all prophetic or anything, but I fear as a church we stand on the very edge of a group of people who are so stinking lukewarm in their walks with the Lord, they wouldn't know the difference between the Word of God and the Koran. The, the no difference. Somebody could quote something to them from a false text. They'd be like, amen, that's good stuff. People stagger, that's amazing to me. People stagger from sea to sea, north, even to the east, to and fro, looking for the word, but they won't find it. Man, I pray in Jesus' name that our church doesn't fall into that discipline. That we have a group of individuals like Mary's heart who are confidently, listen, sitting down before Jesus on a daily basis, avoiding all distractions. When a distraction hits, this is what I do now. I just write it down in my journal. So if I got something coming up and I know it's important, I'll write it down and I'll turn it into a prayer. Be like, Lord, uh, right now I, I'm tempted to be distracted about this, but I want to pray that you give me grace to complete what I need to complete today. And it's amazing how the Lord will just take those distractions right out of my mind and I can get right back to focusing on what God wants to say, spending time with Him. Listen, check it out like this. I've never wasted a minute where I've sat with the Lord. I'll give you another great statement that I heard one time. If you give the Redeemer your time, the Redeemer will redeem your time. And some of you, listen, some of you just flat, maybe that's, the, maybe that's what you need to do as the message. Some of you just need to get along with God. You, you, you can't remember a time when you sat down in the floor before Jesus with your Bible open and said, Lord, talk to me. There's a lot more in my heart. You know, Jesus is like uh, a... Martha, you're worried, you're bothered, you're distracted, you're all upset. Only one thing is necessary. Are y'all listening? Listen to this. Only one thing is necessary. What's the necessary thing? A relationship with Christ. Listen. In order for that relationship to grow, you've got to feed it. You've got to get along with God. Church body, you will never be fired up to come in here and corporately worship if you aren't worshiping Jesus one-on-one by yourself. This is just the overflow. We all get together, and it's like, good night. We've been worshiping Jesus all week long. Fired up to see you. Let's get our praise on. Am I talking to myself? I really do. I, um, maybe I'm fired up about it, too, because I just put together working on a journal for the church uh, for January but I long for our church body uh, to be a church body that actually encounters Jesus on a weekly basis. Or we get together and we know Jesus is in the house every single time we come up in here. And listen, whenever are y'all listening? I feel like I need to sit down and tell y'all this. Whenever you really genuinely believe Jesus is here, you'll start bringing those who are hurting and lost. Uh, and you know... Uh, I think he preached on it this past Wednesday night, Brandon, but, or this Wednesday he's going to preach on it. Remember those uh, four dudes who brought that paralyzed man to Jesus, dug a hole down in the roof, and the Bible says that Jesus saw their faith and he healed the man? Uh, how did he see their faith? They were like, whatever we got to do to get our buddy to Jesus, we're going to do it. Uh, they believed Jesus actually could change things. <laughs> That's why. So we got like broken families, broken homes, uh, jacked up society, and Jesus has the ability to heal them. And if the church would just have faith and believe he could. And here's how you grow in your faith. You grow in your faith by the hearing of the word of God. That's what the book of Romans teaches. So what I'm challenging you to do, men, ladies, everybody up in the house, spend time alone with the Lord. And then when you come up in this building, don't come in here with some legalistic mindset trying to pick everybody out and tell everybody he's not real, he's not real, she's not real, he's hypocritical. We all hypocrites. There's no church without him. Everybody is in some form or fashion. If you find one that's not, don't go. You'll mess it up. (laughs) But we come in here taking the distractions, giving them to Jesus. Say, Jesus, we're coming here to focus on you because you're worthy of all worship. You are the object of worship. And when you worship, check this out, you're joining in with the angels of heaven who are already worshiping Jesus now. When you worship, you're joining in with those saints who have already passed away and are with the Lord right now. The Bible says to be absent from the body, so be present with the Lord. My brother is in heaven right now worshiping Jesus Christ. So whenever I come in and I worship, I'm joining all of these people in worship. And when Jesus comes back, which I, I, I'm all for, y'all with that? When Jesus comes back, I would like for him to look at Concord Baptist Church and look at our worship and say, good night, that's exactly what it looks like up here in heaven. <laughs> Let's bow. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to hearts.